so free yeah free britney for sure yeah hashtag britney done been freed oh we're so old (laughs) (laughs) we are well one of us is old welcome to another episode of bioethics for the people an informal look at hot topics and neglected issues in bioethics healthcare medicine and society basically anything that we your hosts find interesting i'm tyler gibb in beautiful kalamazoo michigan and i'm devin stall in the slightly less beautiful waco texas hey wait a minute tyler did you mess with my script so tyler i think britney spears and i are about the same age so i grew up kind of with her and from what I remember, every boy in middle school had a poster of Britney Spears in his bedroom. That sort of, uh, you know, the one where she's sort of sitting on her ankles and looking like a schoolgirl. Yeah. Did you have that poster growing up? I, I know what poster you're talking about. The image of where she's kind of like looking up towards the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, no. And, you know, what? what's really painful about this question, Devin, is that I'm actually a little bit too old for Britney Spears. <laughs> so she she came out in, what was it, like 1998, 1999 was when her first, like, big songs came out. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, graduated from high school at that point. Sometimes I forget how old you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes I do, too. And then I, like, try to get out of bed in the morning, and I, like, groan and creak and crack and pop. And then and you don't forget I again. Hardly walk. <laughs> no, then I don't forget until I lay down again. Okay, so you didn't grow up with this image, this like, I mean, she was such a big star, such a big pop star that was sort of in my orbit when I was growing up. It doesn't sound like that was true for you, but have you been keeping up with all this incredible sort of guardianship, conservatorship questions that have been, I mean, Netflix has like two documentaries. There's been a New York Times article. Have you been keeping up with all the Britney Spears drama of late? Yeah, I have. It's really, I think it's fascinating, um, particularly because of the ways that her legal issues, we see so often similar issues in some of the patients that we um, do our clinical ethics consulting with. So this idea of um, being in charge of your own body, your own affairs, uh, is something that we see all the time. So it's really interesting. And because she is such a you know a worldwide star, an icon, a celebrity, it really is gives us an opportunity to talk about what conservatorship is. So hashtag free Britney. Hashtag free Britney. Here we go. So Tyler, I, I'm not sure that most people, when they hear about conservatorship, would tie that intimately to medicine. And even within bioethics, sometimes we try to make this really firm distinction between what the courts do and what medical professionals do. So the courts actually determine things like guardianship or in the state of California, which is a this is interesting, they call it conservatorship and not guardianship. But I think most places call it guardianship. And so we in bioethics sometimes say, oh, well, the courts decide things like guardianship. Doctors decide things like decision-making capacity. And so we want to make this firm line between what the law is deciding and what medicine's decided. But I actually don't think it's quite so simple. It really isn't. Part of the complexity is the way that we use words or definitions of words interchangeably and when they're really not interchangeable. 
So we often talk about decision-making capacity or someone being capable of making their own decisions. But sometimes we also use the word competent or somebody is competent to make their own decisions. And I think for most people, those two terms can be interchangeable. But when we get into the weeds of either the legal aspect of it or the ethical aspect of it in, in clinical ethics, those two terms and what they mean for an individual patient are really quite different. So in general, like you said, conservatorship or guardianship, which I think is probably the more common of the two terms, is an issue of competency or legal competency. Basically, the question is, are you legally empowered to make a decision, usually in the context of a healthcare decision? But although there are conservatorships and guardianships that deal with finances, for example. And then the question is, are you legally empowered to make a financial decision? So guardianship or conservatorship can be kind of global. And this is what we saw with Britney Spears, which I was even taken aback when I was reading about her, the status of her conservatorship was just how incredibly global it seemed to be. It wasn't just finances. It was certainly finances, right? When your father gets to control, again, we're the same age. If my father controlled all of my finances, that would be a huge problem for me. <laughs> but also her medical decisions, right? So we heard claims about her having an IUD and her not being able to remove it to have children, which again, if my father had that control over my body, I would have serious problems with that. But it seemed like even other more minute aspects of her life, if she was going to go on tour, if she was going to perform, she also didn't have the right to say yes or no to those aspects of her life. Really almost, it seemed like almost every decision that she made from who she could hang out with to her finances to her medical decisions were dictated by her conservator, who in this case happened to be her father. Exactly. The The scope of her conservatorship was is really interesting once you kind of get into it a little bit further. What I think is interesting is that in general, within, within our society, within our country, there's generally only two types of or two groups of people who don't have the legal power to make their own decisions, and whether it's finances or, or health care. Those are, in general, children, so they don't have the legal standing or the legal right to make decisions got to put a huge asterisk up there because there are certain things that children can do in the healthcare setting, um, make certain decisions about certain types of care that they are legally empowered to make, like reproductive decisions, for example, in some, in some states. And I think it's also important to note that these conservatorship, the scope of the conservatorship or the guardianships really do change depending upon what state you're in. Mm -hmm. And so knowing your, your individual state's rules and, and the scopes uh, of, of these things are really important. So children are legally disempowered or legally incompetent of making medical decisions, big asterisk, or somebody who is an adult who has either never had the ability to make their own decisions, so somebody who has developmental delays or intellectual disabilities, for example, or somebody who has, over the course of their life, lost that, either through disease or injury or Sometimes it's, uh, I, I think the more common one that we see is somebody who is towards the end of their life or have a progressive neurological issue like dementia or Alzheimer's where their powers have been taken away from them and given to somebody else. That's right. So, and I think the distinction between uh, persons with disabilities and children is pretty important because of course we wouldn't want to conflate them in any way. It's very infantilizing to call an adult with a disability like a child. What's interesting in the Britney Spears case is that in certain states, she had less 
power than a child, especially when we talk about reproductive care. So in certain states, children are allowed to ask for certain kinds of birth control, even without their parents' consent, because um, those states recognize that it's a public health issue to be able to control pregnancy or to receive care for STDs, STIs. So those are sort of areas in which even children can sort of go around their legal authority of the parents, typically, to receive certain kinds of care. Or if they're mature, we have this mature minor doctrine that says that some children who are at least 13 years old might be mature enough to make certain kinds of medical decisions, even if they go against the decisions made by their parents. I think this is pretty rare, but it can happen. Or children who are married, join the military, or in other ways emancipated. So these are sort of categories of children who can have more decision-making authority than most children. People with um, intellectual, developmental, or psychiatric disabilities are in this other category, like you said, of people who sometimes have their decision-making authority taken, I don't know if you want to say taken away or not granted, it depends on, I suppose, how you look at it, um, but aren't granted the same kinds of a autonomy or decision-making authority over their own lives, either because they can't understand the situation or because somebody has decided that they're not good decision-makers, which seems to be the case with Britney Spears. Exactly. Sometimes that decision or to take away those powers is based upon a history of poor decision-making. And not just, you know, I make poor decisions every day, right? Uh, don't I know it? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of us make poor decisions every day. And even a lot of poor decisions that impact our health or mm -hmm. our well-being. The difference is that somebody has at some point gone to court and filed a petition asking the court to permanently, or at least for a period of time, remove those powers from this individual. And they have to make a case for it. They have to submit documents and testify, and there has to be some sort of evidentiary reason for doing this. But a court has determined that this person for an X period of time should not be in charge of their own affairs, which is the case with Britney Spears. And so if going back to, I don't remember when it was exactly, 2002, 2003, when she had all of these um, very public episodes, I guess, maybe. You know, if you think back to the episode where she was at a gas station and she was throwing things at paparazzi or she shaved her head in public, those, those episodes, in addition to other um, things that were going on not in the public spotlight, led her father to petition the court in California that she should not be in charge of her own affairs, which I think in and of itself is a maybe questionable or problematic in, in, in different ways. But the court went along with it and instituted this extreme restriction on her ability to direct her own affairs. It was surprising to me watching it, and maybe I exist in this sort of sheltered hospital environment, but typically when I suggest that a family seek out guardianship for somebody, it's because they absolutely cannot make any decisions, usually because they lack consciousness. I mean, this is the time when I say, you know, if you don't have a durable power of attorney for healthcare or a medical power of attorney, it might be important to get a guardianship status so that you have the legal authority to make medical decisions on behalf of this patient who cannot in any way comprehend because they're unconscious. Um, they're either in a, you know, they're in some sort of state where they just absolutely cannot contribute to the conversation. I have never suggested that because somebody fought in public with paparazzi that this would be a good reason. And I think actually watching those documentaries, she had really good reason to be mad at paparazzi. I think also of just how the incredible pressures she must have felt as basically a child 
being in the spotlight and how difficult that must have been. I can't really imagine what that's like. So for me, watching these stories, I think, goodness, people are allowed to make terrible life decisions for themselves, right? This is part of growing up. And she was, you know, an adult, but still quite young when those events happened. We need to let people make bad decisions. How else do we learn? And this is hard, of course, as a parent. I bet you have sympathies on this. We don't want our children to have to experience these difficult situations, but we recognize that we cannot shelter them completely, and this is part of the growing and learning experience. But for her, when all that was so public, I think there's some potential sexism that goes into this as well. Like if she had been a man, would she have gotten her rights taken away in the same way? I doubt it. But because they were so public and because the court decided to side with those who thought her rights should be taken away, suddenly she's not able to make decisions for herself anymore for the majority of her life at this point. I think what's crazy is not just that this was instituted, that she was put under a conservatorship in California, because maybe there were other things going on in her private life that we you know, obviously the public wasn't aware of and shouldn't have been aware of, but just how long this has gone on. Like you said, this has been the majority of her adult life that she's been under this conservatorship. What I have seen in my experience is that generally there's a review process every year or maybe every two years where the court will examine whether a conservatorship or a guardianship still makes sense for that individual. So I don't know the details of exactly how often the review happened in this case, but that's what really surprises me is the duration of this. So if there was an injury or a harm to her civil rights or her civil liberties, at the time it was instituted, it was perpetuated for years and years and years. I agree. The length of it is surprising. I think what people need to know about guardianship or conservatorship is that you have to petition to have it removed, right? You have to prove that you are now capable of making good decisions for yourself, which is a burden on the person who has the guardian, right? So if you want to have that revoked, it has has to go through a court system and you have to prove your competency, which is a wild thing to sort of expect from people. I never have to prove my competency to anybody. It's assumed until I prove otherwise. So it can actually be, it can be this sort of extended time period where unless somebody has the the financial means to fight the conservatorship, they might be stuck in a situation where they're perfectly competent to make their own decisions, but can't prove that they have that competency. I think the most common way that I run into this, at least in the hospital situation, is with elderly folks or folks who have, like I said earlier, a progressive degenerative neurological condition like Alzheimer's or dementia or something like that. I think that it's easy to to think that these conservatorships are always harmful, or at least looking at the Britney Spears situation, it's it's easy to come to the conclusion that what happened to her was terrible. And I, I think in a lot of ways it was. But often guardians and, and conservators are people who really have the patient's best interest at heart and are trying to protect that patient or, or make good decisions on their, beha- on their behalf. That's right. So most of my experience with guardianship has been positive. This is a family member who loves somebody who's either unconscious or is experiencing moderate to severe forms of dementia and just cannot make decisions for themselves and actually maybe even don't want to make decisions for themselves. I think one thing that we always keep in mind, however, and what makes this kind of a disability rights issue is that I think it's always important, even when a person has a guardian, that you are checking in with them. 
that you are eliciting their preferences. You aren't just ignoring them because they have a guardian. Just because a person cannot make their own medical decisions in the hospital context doesn't mean that suddenly now you're not explaining things, that you're not talking to them anymore. I think in the worst of cases that can happen, but at least in my experience, insofar as they are able, eliciting people's preferences, talking about them with what's going on can still be vital. And it seems like in the case of Spears that this just didn't happen. Like she wasn't listened to at all. And that's what feels so galling because I would listen even to somebody who had you know moderate to severe dementia if they had preferences. She is not anywhere near that kind of stage. And, and she was so globally ignored in her preferences. What's also important to keep in mind is this difference between competency, legal competency, which we're talking about now, having the legal power of making decisions and decision-making capacity. Um, one thing that I try to teach, teach students or the, the doctors that I work with is co- legal competency is determined by people in black robes. Decision-making capacity is an assessment by people in white coats. Sometimes that helps to, to keep the difference in mind. So it's possible, and maybe this was the case with Brittany, that somebody is incompetent to make decisions, so they're disempowered legally, but they are fully capable of making that decision if they had the legal power, which is really the conundrum here, is how much can we rely upon somebody who's capable intellectually and emotionally of making decisions, but they've been, for whatever reason, that power has been taken, stripped from them and given to somebody else. Yeah, so what we worry about with guardianship in the hospital context is, well, first of all, I think it should be sort of a last resort, right? Yeah, absolutely. That this is not something you jump to just because somebody made a bad decision once or twice in their life, mm-hmm. even if that decision was quite bad, right? Even if somebody had a psychiatric illness, had a kind of disability that was perhaps not permanent, you don't jump to guardianship just because that happens. So it is a last resort sort of option. First, you try to find some least restrictive options. So we'd prefer something like supported decision-making. So if a person had a mental illness or a disability, you'd want to ensure that they had a support person with them when they were making important decisions that were aiding them in making those decisions or a conditional power of attorney for certain decisions. So where you could have shared control of your finances, shared control of your medical decision-making, these are less restrictive options because when we go to guardianship through the courts, you are taking away someone's essential liberties. And that might be appropriate, but certainly it's not the first thing that we jump to. So we wanna make sure that people are empowered to make decisions because I think what becomes an issue eventually is that when you've been disempowered for a long period of time, once we grant that right back to you, you might, struggle with making solo decisions after that, right? So I think what we worry about now is that if if someone like Spears has been unable to make her own decisions for so many years and suddenly, which seems like it is the case now, she can start making her own decisions, mm-hmm. it's going to be tough on her because she hasn't been able to do that for so long. And suddenly we've created a, sort of a state of helplessness for some people by imposing other people's will upon them for so long. I think what might might be a sad state of affairs for this particular issue, this particular case, is if, like everybody, if she goes on and makes questionable decisions or you know bad financial decisions or relationship decisions that people question or have have concerns about, 
it might be used to reinforce the idea that, oh, maybe she should still be under conservatorship, which really isn't it, isn't necessarily the case, because like we said at the beginning, people make terrible decisions all the time for themselves, but they're able to do that legally, and we, we ought to support that. Sometimes we call this the concept of dignity of risk. We need to grant people the dignity, the right, to make risky or bad decisions for themselves. This is how we grow and learn. And that's a hard concept to accept because we'd all like to think that we make really good decisions for ourselves or that our children will make good decisions for themselves. But we know that's not always the case. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know a lot of parents who just assume their their children are going to make good decisions for themselves. Well, I think (laughs) that's the hope, right? That's the, the eternal hope that burns in parents that eventually the children are going to make good decisions for themselves. Yeah, and you're teaching them how to do that by granting them more and more autonomy over their own decisions, mm-hmm. right, as as they grow up. That's part of how we do that. And so if suddenly as an adult you're taking all that away, you've rendered them in this state of sort of helplessness of, and the indignity of not being able to make risky choices. So Tyler, what do you want people to take away from the Britney saga or just about guardianship in general? Are there some good takeaways from her story or from Number your one, experience? that there is the option of conservatorship. Or it is not the case, or it, it shouldn't be the case, that people who have profound um, neurological injuries or disease, or if they're unconscious or semi-conscious, that, that the, these people can and should make risky or terrible decisions for themselves there is a mechanism within the law to protect them from their from their illness or from their disability in in um, in certain circumstances so sometimes patients and family members of patients more commonly i think feel helpless or feel like there there's no way for them to protect grandma for example as, as she is slipping into progressive dementia from squandering her her life savings for example but there is a mechanism and even in situations where there are there is no family members to take to take on that role for somebody there are in every state that I'm aware of and usually it's a county by county but there are what we call public guardians or general guardians who are people who are employed, usually have some sort of social work background or some sort of case manager type of background, who actually it's their job, they're employed by a state agency, to act in that role on behalf of patients who are unable to make their own decisions and they don't have anybody else to speak on their behalf. It can be something that's really, really helpful and, and useful for people. But... I think what the Britney saga, the Free Britney case shows us is that just like every other system that has a really good intention, there are ways in which that it can be handled in a way that is really detrimental to the patient, which is the opposite of what the intention is. I think that's right. I mean, what I would want to say is, for me, this is a huge disability rights issue, and I think that's come up in a lot of the reporting on this case, is that guardianship, conservatorship can be helpful for certain kinds of people under certain kinds of circumstances. When this becomes the first resort instead of the last resort, we run into huge issues. We have to acknowledge that placing people in these relationships can be detrimental to them. That's not always the case, but it can be especially for people who are still capable of voicing preferences and desires for their lives, that we ought not to ignore what their decisions are simply because they don't have the legal authority to make them anymore. And we ought not to jump to guardianship 
simply because somebody seems to be making bad decisions for themselves. This ought to be a last resort option for those who really, we do worry that unscrupulous people might be forcing them to give up inheritances or making really bad medical decisions that could end their lives. These are things we worry about. Um, and these are things that you and I see in the hospital all the time. But certainly jumping to guardianship for a person who is experiencing some form of psychiatric disability is not so global and restrictive that there are repercussions for them permanently. And that needs to be taken into account. We haven't even begun to talk about the movie I Care A Lot, <laughs> which has put guardianship under a, a real scrutiny there, even though it's fictionalized. And, and this is maybe a topic for another episode, but... There are public guardians who do not have our best interests at heart, and we need to be, and, and of course, this is not the majority. Most people who do that job really do it because they care about people, and they care about helping people make really good decisions. But if you get a public guardian who's overtaxed, overworked, doesn't have the time to come talk with you and visit you, these can put people in really terrible situations as well. And I'm sure you've seen that in the hospital where a guardian is just so overwhelmed by all the caseloads that they struggle to really keep up with their ward. And this can create situations in which people are suffering and don't have the kind of person in their lives who can make good decisions for Absolutely. them. Absolutely. I think the majority of the people who are public guardians or even those who step in and want to help fulfill that role for a loved one really have their best best intentions. It's important to try to help them not only just discharge or you know accomplish their role effectively, but also to support them in that decision because it's profoundly troubling, I think, for a lot of people to be the decision maker for somebody else, particularly somebody who's close to you. I think one other thing that, that I just want to maybe emphasize or at least kind of uh, highlight again is that being unable to make your own medical decisions is, is an assessment or it's a something that physicians really spend a lot of time, hopefully, trying to assess and just because you have a, a mental health issue on your in your chart for example or just because you are a little bit confused or or these you know whatever else is going on doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to be able to make your own decisions and i think that's something that is really it's a fear that particularly patients that i've worked with who are a little bit older that they're really concerned about that if i don't answer all of these questions right then suddenly someone else is going to step in and swoop in and take all my uh, decision-making away from me and that loss of autonomy and that loss of that fear of the loss of power is something that can be really unnerving I guess or de destabilizing concerning for folks who are in these unfortunate situations thank you for listening to this episode of bioethics for the people for more information about this episode show notes and links to the articles and topics we've discussed, please head over to bioethicsforthepeople.com. Special thanks to Darian Goldenstall for all the podcast-related artwork, and Christopher Wright for composing and recording the music.